Welcome to another edition of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News Team. We are your audio newspaper, and episode 100 is closing in on us. This is episode 97. We thank you for being here with us. Coming up in this episode, it's Mansfield news, sports, and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to the restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. City reveals plans for a high-end chop house. City hires new economic development executive. Mansfield sixth grader receives $10,000 check from singer Katy Perry. The COVID-19 epidemic is still declining in Mansfield. Mansfield residents set to perform one-woman play at the FAR. In sports, we have the results of last week's MISD football games and who plays this week. Coming up in the features section. Reporter Dennis Webb checks in from the science desk with... Do You Believe in Science, Part 4. No Shave November. I'm Kristen Moore, and in this week's Texas Health Tip of the Week, we're going to break down what No Shave November is all about. It's going to get cold, and you'd better get ready. I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin. We'll get to that in the Ask Terry segment later in the show. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that sounds like something you may have had in college, but it's all grown up. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve talks in studio with a local author about setting the bar. And it's not the one in the den. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hey Mansfield, Sonia here from Wise Wellness. Did you know that Wise Wellness is now mobile? Yep, we have changed our business model to best serve our clients. That means you can order online and usually have it delivered within 24 hours or less. We're bringing the best CBD tinctures, topicals, edibles, and pet products directly to your door. Visit our website at wisewell.com to see our selection. That's W-Y-S-E-Well.com. Got pain? Need sleep? Does your pet have storm or separation anxiety? We've got you covered. Don't forget about our specialty, Tom's Treats. These little gems of goodness can help promote better sleep and overall wellness. With six main ingredients and no preservatives, they're the best around. Give us a call at 682-313-4767, visit the website, or reach out to us on social media to connect. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, use the promo code AMPOD to buy one, get one free on our website. Again, that's wisewell.com, W-Y-S-E, well.com. In 1999, Mansfield Cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city. Mansfield Cares built the first free medical dental eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in Mansfield. Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's safety net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org. Hi, I'm Katie Hayes, pastor of Galileo Church, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. The city of Mansfield has entered into an agreement with Meehan Properties, LLC, to develop 101 South Main Street in historic downtown into a high-end chop house and cigar lounge. Mansfield-based Meehan Properties will develop the restaurant and cigar lounge, which will be named Meehan's Chop House and Henry's Cigar Lounge. Tony Meehan owns Meehan Properties and said in a written statement that he believes the development will attract other new businesses to historic downtown Mansfield and will help revitalize the district. As part of the agreement, the city will assist with the development by paying Meehan Properties $700,000 in funds from the city's Tax Increment Financing, or TIF, Reinvestment Zone No. 2. The payment is considered a forgivable loan in which $100,000 per year will be forgiven for each year the business remains in operation over a period not to exceed 10 years. 
TIF legislation allows local governments, such as Mansfield, to take incremental tax dollars generated from new development and increased real property values in a TIF reinvestment zone and use them to pay for improvements within that area. Meehan said the restaurant is projected to open in the spring of 2022 in the building that was previously occupied by Mellow Mushroom. The city of Mansfield has hired Jason Moore as the new executive director of the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation. Moore will oversee the operations of the MEDC, which promotes job growth and quality development in Mansfield, in addition to directing and coordinating the expansion of Mansfield's business and commercial tax bases. The MEDC also administers the budget generated by a half-cent sales tax approved by voters back in 1997 to fund economic development projects. Moore's extensive experience leading Texas City's economic development initiatives include the cities of Louisville and Richland Hills. Moore is a graduate of Texas A&M University in 2005 with a Bachelor of Science degree in Recreation, Parks, and Tourism Sciences and earned his Master of Public Administration from the University of North Texas. Meanwhile, the COVID-19 epidemic is still on the decline here in Mansfield. With the numbers, your science reporter, Dennis Webb. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. As City of Mansfield's epidemic trends are mostly declining the good direction, each week of last month, I'll be giving shorter reports as long as the good trends continue. Last week saw continue decline in weekly new Mansfield cases, Mansfield ISD active cases, as did countywide new cases and countywide hospitalizations. This suggests we are near the end of a fourth wave of the epidemic. I hope there is not a fifth wave. New weekly deaths trend is bouncing around, but generally decreasing, also suggesting we're near the end of the fourth wave. Since June, around 1,000 lives have been lost to the epidemic in our county. Last week, across the county, 79 people died from COVID-19 and one in Mansfield. Tarrant County public health officials recommend that all eligible citizens get vaccinated. Vaccinated is the best recommended step any of us have to prevent the next wave. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. An 11-year-old man Mansfield student who began a campaign called Race to Kindness received a $10,000 donation from singer Katy Perry to go toward his mission of, quote, spreading kindness around the world, end quote. Since winning the National Kindness Speech Contest in July 2020, Orion Jean wanted to pay his $500 prize money forward. Challenging viewers to spread kindness, Orion started the initiative by launching a series of kindness projects to give back to his community. Orion's mission to spread kindness was first launched by his Race to 500 Toys campaign that ran through August 2020 and collected over 600 donations for Children's Health Hospital. Later that year, through October and November, his campaign launched its Race to 100,000 Meals, where in partnership with Tango Tab, they collected nearly 101,000 meals to donate to those suffering from food insecurity. The Martinez Intermediate School 6th grader credited much of his work to his family. Orion Jean was interviewed on the About Mansfield podcast back in August of 2020, and you can hear that interview on episode 84 on our website, aboutmansfield.com. Click on the Podcasts tab. The Far Best Theater downtown has always been a place for concerts and stage performances, even grand old Opry-style reviews. But we got something special coming up this uh, this weekend. And with us on the phone to talk about it is Mansfield resident, Taronda Hillman. Welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you. Thank you. You have had a project working for the past couple of years called Daughter of the Other Woman. It started with a podcast and then a book. And now you've got a stage performance. Tell me about this performance. Oh, wow, Steve. This is very exciting. This performance is Daughter of the Other Woman, stage play, one-woman show starring me based on my book, Daughter of the Other Woman, that I self-published the end of last year. So I am extremely excited to be bringing this play and debuting it in Mansfield, Texas, where I've lived and and have met some wonderful people. And now I get to, to try this thing out on them. And for the listeners who don't know what Daughter of the Other Woman is, give a little synopsis, maybe the Reader's Digest version of what they, they can expect at uh, your performance. All right. Well, the book itself is based on my life, uh, what I experienced as a child. Again, the title is Daughter of the Other Woman. And what happened is I was I was exposed to 
a extramarital affair. Uh, My mother was seeing a married man from the time I was 11 until I was 18. I was exposed to that, didn't think that it would affect me as an adult, because even as a child and as a teenager, I knew that it was not right. I did not write the book to make anybody out to be a bad person, definitely not my mother, but I wanted to share with everyone how this affects the children from a child's point of view. And again, I didn't realize that it affected me until as an adult, I realized that I had carried the traits of being a mistress into my marriage and after I was divorced into my relationships, any other relationship that I had with a man, but I didn't know that I was carrying those traits into the relationship until one day it just came to me. You're, you're behaving this way because you're the daughter of the other woman. You learned how to be the other woman. You never learned how to be the wife. And when I had that revelation, I knew I had to write about it and, and share it with the world in hopes of helping people to heal as it has done for me. With the book, I decided to make it a stage play. Is this a performance that is going to be for adults only, or should we bring the kids? I would not suggest bringing the kids because of the adult nature. If you do bring a a younger person, I would suggest 14 and up. And the performance is Saturday night? Yes, Steve, it is Saturday night, November the 6th at 7.30 p.m. here at the Far Best Theater. And how can people get tickets? People may go to ticks, T like Tom, I, X like X-ray dot com and type in daughter of the other woman in that search and the play will come up and you can purchase tickets there or you may come the night of the performance and purchase tickets here at the door. Daughter of the other woman, a one woman play, Far Best Theater, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. You can get your tickets online. I will post a link on our website and on Facebook uh, for, for tickets. She's a podcaster. She is an author. And now she's an actress. Taronda Hillman, good luck. Break a leg on Saturday night. Thank you so much, Steve. In sports, two wins, three losses in MISD football last week. The Mansfield Football Tigers fell to Duncanville 63-17. Legacy was down by Richland 34-27. Lakeridge defeated by DeSoto 54-35. On the winning side, Timberview bested Cleburne 56-15. And while Summit topped Midlothian 42-21. This week, it's the final week of games for the regular season, playing at home this Thursday night under the lights. Lake Ridge goes head-to-head with Waco Midway, 7 p.m. at Newsom Stadium. Friday night at home, Legacy takes on Colleyville Heritage, 7 p.m. at R.L. Anderson. Timberview hosts Burleson, 7 p.m. at Newsom Stadium. On the road this week, Thursday night, the Mansfield Football Tigers travel to Cedar Hill. Friday night, Summit plays at Birdville. Lake Ridge takes on DeSoto. Just a reminder, you can find the MISD football schedule for all five district teams on our website, aboutmansfield.com, under the Links tab. And I want to invite you to come on out to El Primo's on Monday nights and be a part of the studio audience for The Coach's Corner, where we talk high school football with the coaches and the players. The show kicks off at 6.30 p.m. We are also streamed live on Facebook on the About Mansfield podcast page. This Saturday is National Play Outside Day, which happens to fall on the first Saturday of every month. So no matter what month it is, everyone put down your electronic devices and go outside. While it's impossible to list all the benefits of outdoor play, we do have a few of to share. Playing outdoors is a freeing activity. The outdoors fills us with energy. It clears the cobwebs from our brain. Outdoor play provides terrific physical activities for our bodies. We can experience new sights and sounds. It encourages positive interactions. It becomes habit-forming, and it stimulates the imagination. And we know that the seasons change, so what we were able to do outside last month may be different from this month. However, that should not stop you from celebrating the day. Explore hiking trails near you. Take a swim lesson. Go out to every park in your neighborhood. Climb, slide, swing on every playground set. Start a game of catch, kickball, tag, frisbee. Make it a game. Run through the sprinklers. Go camping, go fishing, fly a kite. Just get outside. Me? I'll see you on the tennis courts. Let's check the seven-day weather forecast with Colleen, who believes that every day should be National Play Outside Day. Colleen? You're going to need a few more layers this week to enjoy National Play Outside Day on Saturday. 
Let's take a look at our weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. A strong fall cold front was predicted to move through our area Tuesday into Wednesday this week. This should bring a 70 to 80 percent chance of rain throughout the day and into the evening on Wednesday, and will also bring its temperatures 15 degrees below normal, a big change from this past weekend. We'll be looking at temperatures only in the mid-50s for Wednesday and Thursday, with lows dipping down into the 40s. We'll dry out, and temperatures will start to creep back up, with 60 on Friday, 64 Saturday, 69 Sunday, 70 Monday, and back up to 73 degrees on Tuesday, with lows in the upper 40s to low 50s. Meanwhile, the Tarrant Regional Water District suggests that Mansfield lawns need no irrigation this week. That's right, your sprinklers can remain off. With the rain we got last week and our chance of storms on Wednesday, lawns should be in good shape. Water new plantings by hand later in the week, if needed. Daylight savings time ends this weekend. Be sure to also change the time on your sprinkler controller. You can view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas, as well as water-saving tips at waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Reporter Dennis Webb talks science. Our health specialist has the Texas Health Tip of the Week. Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin presents the Ask Terry segment. And Brian Certain serves up a cocktail to remember. Also coming up later in the episode, the Mansfield trivia question. And Steve talks in studio with a local author about setting the bar. Stay with us. We're back in 60 seconds. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hi, I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center, inviting you to make our thrift store your one stop for shopping, donating, and volunteering. When neighbors buy your donations, the proceeds help other Mansfield neighbors in need with free services including financial assistance, employment help, food, medical, dental, and vision care. Voted Best Thrift Store in 2019 by Living Magazine, the Mansfield Mission Center Thrift Store is located at Broad and Walnut Creek. For more details, visit our website at Mansfield. Mansfieldmission.org. That's mansfieldmission.org. Hi, I'm Casey Lewis, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where reporter Dennis Webb is still pondering the question, do you believe in science? Dennis? Thank you, Steve. Continuing the discussion of do you believe in science, I will pick up a theme of the joint advancement of astrophysics and military weapons, this time discussing more recent infrared surveys and technology. A little background. Early astrophysicist William Herschel, who discovered a lot of stuff, discovered invisible infrared light in 1800. He had split the light of the sun into its rainbow spectrum using a prism and was using a thermometer to measure the temperature of each color because it was something that occurred to him to look at. Finishing his measurements, he set the thermometer to the side of the rainbow and was surprised to find this dark part of the spectrum was actually hotter than the actual colors. It turns out a lot of the sun's energy that warms our planet is actually this invisible light just beyond red, so it's called infrared. Astrophysicists deliberately worked to figure out what information might be in this invisible light from space and made some progress with precision thermometers and film photography. Thomas Edison even got into the research on the thermometer side. Progress was steady but slow until the Cold War. 
The U.S. military needed a way to detect if another nation had launched an intercontinental ballistic missile, possibly carrying a nuclear warhead to our fair country. The U.S. Air Force, who managed our own rockets and nuclear warheads, invested heavily in infrared imaging research and technology. They also chartered an all-sky infrared survey to identify natural sources of infrared light up in space so the new defensive detectors could distinguish between a dangerous missile headed our way and a natural object out in space. These projects happened in the 1960s. Astronomical researchers were happy to bid on these contracts because military money could accelerate the pure astrophysical research into understanding how the universe works. The military was happy to fund this work because it kept the U.S. ahead of the credible threat from the Soviet Union. The superior American systems, of which this is one, were a factor in achieving nuclear disarmament where we could and monitoring bad actors where we couldn't. Also, this research and infrared sensor technology development led to a lot of practical things, from the little things we put on our finger to determine the oxygen level of our arterial blood, to the soon-to-be-launched Webb Space Telescope that is, in fact, an entirely infrared telescope. These are all good outcomes for our country and planet, but not without criticism. First, the scientific community has long been concerned that basic research funding was being heavily skewed by American military needs, not necessarily scientific research priorities, though the money was good. Second, by the end of the 1960s, many American citizens were concerned about the growing influence of national military involvement in many fields of endeavor, echoing President Eisenhower's parting warning against the military-industrial complex, because the industrial complex funds scientific research. So, exerting undue influence on American society. Add to this the American citizenry's mistrust of the military after the Vietnam War debacle, which was made worse by the Pentagon's reliance on what was thought to be modern scientific decision-making about the conduct of war. This new kind of analysis turned out to be an immature body of research sold to the Pentagon by the Rand Corporation, a well-respected strategic think tank. The Vietnam War dragged on as this scientific decision-making always said we were winning. Bad application of bad or good science. So what do we make of this model? In my opinion, science is generally good when it better explains in a durable way how something works, from the working of the universe to our own human bodies. The average person's contact with science is rarely with the scientist or their own research, but with the practical things done with it. For example, the tiny little pulse oxygen meter in your doctor's office or home, the device that is playing this podcast, or the prescriptions assigned by our doctors. There's poorly done science, but over years it gets discredited or loses funding. Not always a fairly applied standard, but it's the way our society works. So how does a normal person know if a thing from science is good or right or not? Because there's so much scientific research going on, most of it incomprehensible to the average person, we broadly rely on intermediaries someone to explain it to us. For me, I choose to follow science journalists. That's the kind of person that actually exists, though there are perhaps fewer now than 20 years ago when most major local newspapers and network TV show organizations had actual experienced science reporters following the disciplines of journalism just this time about science. Now, anybody with a blog can claim to be a journalist of any sort, so it's hard to tell. Like anything you read, consider the source. A complicated question, but we get to choose our intermediaries, and we are blessed that some of them are very good today. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's time right now for the Texas Health Tip of the Week, sponsored by Texas Health Hospital, located at 287 and Lone Star Road. Health specialist Kristen Moore is here, and she has the Texas Health Tip of the Week. Kristen. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of year. No Shave November. If you find yourself asking, what is No Shave November? Sit back, relax, and let me tell you all about it. So what exactly is No Shave November, you may be asking? It is a month-long journey where you can forgo shaving and grooming to create a conversation and raise awareness for cancer. It is all about embracing our hair and cherishing what we have because many cancer patients lose their hair and wish they can grow it while and free. Participants donate the money they would use on shaving and grooming products to support cancer prevention, save lives, and aid those fighting the battle. Here's a little background. 
Movember was founded in Australia in 2003. Mo in Australian is slang for mustache. Men started to grow a mustache to raise awareness for prostate cancer. In 2009, Facebook launched a No Shave November campaign to raise awareness for cancer. This was created by the Hill family to honor their father after he died of colon cancer. No Shave November is now partnered with the American Cancer Society and has raised over $3.5 million. The rules are very simple. Put down that razor for 30 days and donate your monthly hair maintenance expense to a wonderful cause. If you have a strict workplace that will not allow a wild and free look, trimming is perfectly acceptable. The point of No Shave November is to make a change that people may ask about. Then start the conversation of standing for a cause. You can participate by growing a beard, mustache, or ladies, let those legs go natural. It's okay to skip the waxing appointment this month. If getting hairy is not your thing, that is quite all right. You can support the cause by raising awareness and supporting someone that is embracing the fur. That is all for me this week. Stay healthy, Mansfield. On behalf of Texas Health Mansfield, I am Kristen Moore. In a world where people have thousands of questions about improving and repairing their homes, one man has the answers. It's time right now for the Ask Terry segment. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist, and he answers your questions about the place that you call home. Terry. Today's question comes from Alan, who writes very succinctly, what are the best tips for winterizing your home? Thanks for the question, Alan, and you've made my job very easy. It was nigh upon a year ago this week that I addressed that very question in the first cold snap of 2020. And so we introduce a new feature to the segment today, Greatest Hits. Here's the upshot of what I said last year, because really nothing changes when it comes to getting our homes ready for winter. For whatever reason, we always feel that cold air getting into our homes, while we never feel the cold air getting out of our homes in the summer. But the problem is really the same during both seasons. There are things we can do that will pay us well during both winter and summer. First thing I'd look at is the amount of insulation in the attic. The Department of Energy's recommendation for North Texas is that homes have attic insulation to an R-value, or resistance to heat loss, of between 30 and 60. That, in plain English, means between 10 and 20 inches of either blown-in insulation or fiberglass bats. Insulation can be installed by a professional crew, or you can rent an insulation blower from the home center where you purchase the material if you're going the blown-in route. While it may seem like you're spending quite a bit at first, you'll be surprised what a difference having the correct amount of insulation makes in your energy bill. The next item I'd look at is the caulking around window and door openings. Caulking is a pretty cheap and do-it-yourself or friendly way to get rid of some of the more sneaky ways for that cold air to enter the home. It comes in white and a variety of colors as well if you want to try to match up to the paint or the trim on the exterior of the house. And don't forget to check inside the house around the windows as well. Your house shifts a bit with changes in humidity and soil moisture, so oftentimes the seal around the windows on the interior can be broken. Broken too. A little time spent with a caulk gun and a few bucks worth of material can add to your winter comfort level. While you're at it, take a look at the weather stripping around the exterior doors. Many times you'll find that foam or vinyl strip to be bent, pinched, torn, or just missing. Again, that's a place where you'll definitely feel that cold air come in on breezy days. Replace it now, and you'll be glad you did come February. And it doesn't hurt to look at those light switch and electrical outlet boxes on exterior walls and make sure they're sealed against air intrusion as well. Most hardware stores have thin foam gaskets you can install yourself behind the switch or outlet plate at a minimal cost. Spring and fall are also good times to have a system checkup or tune-up done on your heating and air conditioning system. Heating and cooling companies usually offer specials on these services at this time of year, and it's especially important to have the furnace checked if yours is a gas-fired unit to make sure the burner is working efficiently and that's not emitting carbon monoxide gas. And as I've said in the past, change that filter monthly. It'll help the machine run more efficiently and minimize the amount of dust in the house as well. Don't forget to have your sprinkler system and swimming pool plumbing winterized and drained. There's no good time to deal with a broken water pipe, but winter is definitely the worst time. And speaking of broken pipes, don't forget to cover those outside faucets. 
Frost-proof doesn't mean freeze-proof, and a good cold snap lasting a few days can lead to a pipe bursting inside the wall. That's a messy and expensive fix, as there will be drywall, texture, and paint to be repaired, as well as the plumbing leak itself. This Sunday, we set our clocks back an hour and go back to standard time. That's the time that fire departments nationwide recommend that you test and inspect your smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. If you've got battery-operated smoke or CO detectors or wired ones with battery backup, change those batteries and do it again in the spring when we go back to daylight savings time. It's an easy way to remember to check those potentially life-saving devices and make sure that they're in good working order. Time change equals battery change. I'm sure there's a thing or two I've missed, and if you can think of any of them, drop me a line. You can also send me any other home improvement or repair questions to askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Or you can visit my very lonely Facebook page at Ask Terry AM Podcast or my equally lonely Twitter page at Ask Terry AM Pod. I've also got a website and a YouTube page in the works, but I need your questions and suggestions to make that happen. So send me questions and ideas and junk, and we'll talk again soon. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Home Improvement Specialist. Terry Radswin. As always, Brian Sarton likes to take a little bit of this and a dash of that for his cocktail of the week. Let's hear about this week's cocktail. Brian? In this week's cocktail of the week segment, I'll be introducing the Coke Old Fashioned. Growing up in the South and going to an SEC college, you know, you know, the national championship Mississippi State Bulldogs, and going to college games, part of the challenge of going to those games was getting a flask of bourbon. Okay, let's be honest and say back then it was Jack Daniels, but you'll have to forgive me as I didn't know better. But part of it was getting that flask into the game and enjoying with a Coke. And I don't know about you, but I still enjoy that combination of bourbon, lots of ice in a tall glass, and filling the rest with some ice-cold Coca-Cola. But now being out of college some roughly 40 years later, my palate's changed, but I still like that combination of flavors. And one day, I saw a recipe for Coke syrup, and instantly I thought, what a great invention, and could I make a grown-up bourbon and Coke for my age people? But don't worry, I'm giving all the instructions and details on bourbongospel.com. The ingredients for the syrup, you're going to need one cup of sugar, and you're going to need one can of Coca-Cola. For the cocktail, you're going to need two ounces of your version of a good bourbon, something like Evan Williams Bottled and Bond, Makers 46, something along those lines. You're going to need one ounce of the Coca-Cola syrup that I'll be giving you the recipe for, two dashes of bitters, and a lemon twist to garnish. For the syrup, to make the syrup, pour the can of Coke into a very small saucepan. As it starts to simmer, add the cup of sugar and stir until it dissolves and reduces slightly. You're going to end up with a super sweet Coca-Cola syrup that's still very liquid. It's very viscous, but it's more of a syrup than just Coca-Cola. For the cocktail... You're going to combine bourbon, some of the Coke syrup that you just made, and bitters in a cocktail shaker with ice, shake vigorously, and then strain into a cocktail glass. Garnish with the lemon twist and serve. The Cocktail of the Week is now proudly sponsored by The Vault, located at 2300 Matlock Road at the corner of Country Club and Matlock. Don't have all the ingredients to make this week's Coke Old Fashioned? Head on over to The Vault, where one of their craftsmen will be happy to stir, make the syrup, and strain it into your glass for your own About Mansfield Cocktail of the Week. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Sheila Betzel, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What was the name of the full-service filling station that occupied the corner of Main and Broad Streets for 50 years? Sheila knew that it was the Cells Service Station, and she has won $25 in Primo Bucks, good at either El Primo's or The Vault. After the break, this week's trivia question. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this 
is about Mansfield. The Texas Health Tip of the Week was sponsored by Texas Health Hospital, located at 287 and Lone Star Road. Introducing Texas Health Hospital Mansfield, an all-new, all-modern healthcare campus, now serving Mansfield and our nearby communities. With advanced care for women and infants, orthopedics, heart and vascular, a 24-7 ER, and more. Experience care you'll love right where you love living. Texas Health Mansfield, now open at 287 and Lone Star Road. Learn more at texashealth.org backslash Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities. can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Ask Philip, On the Mark, Grown and Unfiltered, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and epic voices and conversations from Palm Springs. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're just looking for a better place to record podcast mansfield recording studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com that's podcastmansfield.com hi i'm carmen mcmillan executive director of mansfield mission center and you're listening to about mansfield it's time right now for the highly coveted wildly popular mansfield trivia question the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to the restaurant of their choice. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, the Mansfield Public Library was established in 1929 and originally operated out of the corners of stores, cramped space in city buildings, and, for a while, in the waiting room of a doctor's office. This week's trivia question is, from 1929 to 1960, who was Mansfield's first librarian? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, having served from 1929 to 1960, who was Mansfield's first librarian? Good luck, and thanks to all of the great restaurants in Mansfield for the gift cards. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, he's a Mansfield resident, and he is also a uh, he works here in Mansfield. He has written a book, which we are going to talk about. He is a writer, educator, a high school strength and conditioning coordinator, uh, along with his uh, beautiful wife and two amazing kids. We're going to talk about, in fact, I want to read the first sentence on the the back cover of the book, which is going to uh, coincidentally set the bar, which uh, says, criticizing the newest generation is a tradition as old as time, but there is truly something worrisome about the trends we're seeing in today's kids. Setting the bar is the name of the book, preparing our kids to thrive in an era of distraction, dependency, and entitlement. Shane Trotter, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you, Steve. It's good to be here. Just the title alone, my head is spinning with questions, and, and really, I'm kind of digging about where do we start? Uh, why, why did you find a need to write this book? I've wanted to write this book since I first started teaching. So I taught for five years before transitioning into a role as a strength and conditioning coordinator. And I came into education, um, rather odd background, I guess. Uh, jack of all trades is kind of in my background. So I, I wanted to be the greatest 
teacher ever. You know, and and, and I had heard rumblings that uh, you know, education, you know, that there were issues in education systemically, and and that there were going to be challenges and roadblocks. So, don't be too much of a romantic. Uh, and I, I I tend towards being a romantic. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, so I I came in wanting to be the greatest teacher of all time and uh, to to transform education and uh, and I loved it and I love teaching. But I couldn't shake right off the bat. I was I was amazed at how unprepared I felt like our kids were for life, and uh, that has only grown since then. Uh, so I, in my head, I started to think I'm going to end up writing a book on this, uh, even even in my first years. And it, it slowly grew to this is the book I have to write. Uh, particularly as I, I had kids, I felt like. Uh, something has to change. I don't think the trajectory of our what I call the the youth development paradigm is 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 sustainable and mm-hmm. is going to be uh, is is going to lead our, our our younger generations to a fulfilling life. Let and me let me stop you for just a second. And what uh, what grade level did you teach, and, and what courses did you teach? I I was a uh, I've taught freshman, sophomore, uh, and juniors. Uh, and seniors, I guess, too, yes, because I taught AP government, uh, seniors uh, predominantly, and uh, juniors, I taught U.S. history, sophomores, I taught world history, and freshmen, I taught world geography. So the entire uh, breadth of high school, I've, I've taught in some form or fashion. And last year, I actually got back in the classroom a little bit with COVID. There was, uh, it was just, it was just hard, and everyone had to, had to kind of jump in and, and do a little extra. So yeah. I gave up my conference and took on a teen leadership class and uh, really, enjoyed it. That gave me a lot of latitude to, to, to put some things in, into place that I thought we should be teaching kids that are typically neglected. Um, and it was a fun experience. And so, with the going back to the subtitle of the book, Preparing Our Kids to Thrive in an Era of Distraction, Dependency, and Entitlement, let's start with distraction. And distraction really goes back to even pre-elementary school days that parents put their kids in front of a TV and the TV becomes the, the babysitter. And is this a book that's pointing fingers at, at parents saying we're doing it all wrong? And it shouldn't be. It's, okay. It's, it, it's, it's a, I don't put the blame on anyone, but right. I think it's, it's up to all of us to take stock of where we are and say, you know, and just to decide whether, whether we're doing things in a way that are going, going to be fulfilling in the long run. Um, as I try to show in the first chapter, there's never been a harder time to be a parent. Um, the, the big thing that we we have going against us is, is not only is the technology we're seeing completely novel and, uh, far more, uh, Advanced in its ability to manipulate and coerce our attention away from from more fulfilling pursuits, um, but the norms uh, of society pull us to think that these behaviors are okay. So we're fighting uh, very advanced technology that has studied our bio bioevolutionary programming to know how to manipulate us to act in a way that's not going to serve ourselves. Um, but also, we're fighting the norms of a society at large. Uh, so the tremendous momentum is pulling us in all these different directions, and uh, it, it's never been harder to be a parent. We don't know how to handle this novel technology. We don't. Um, it, it's you know, a hundred years ago, it's simple. Everyone in your community has the same general values. There's basically three sports that you play. Uh, there's no select ball. There's no pressures to spend your nights, you know, in, in your summers traveling all over the place. That the, so the amount of we've basically commercialized the world, right? Um, and there's so much pressure on all these parents, and they're just trying to 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 figure out, you know, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and uh, and there's a lot of fatigue involved in that, and. And so they tend to go with the flow, and the flow is not sustainable. The flow is not a successful route. Is it necessary to drive little Johnny to third grade, first day of school in a limousine? <laughs> I'm, I, 
I have a couple chapters on this where I, I go through the the research on on what I call safetyism. Uh, the overprotection is a, is a large part of what I, I perceive as a failed parenting paradigm. Uh, we and what we do when we overprotect to, to too much of a degree. You know, these kids don't walk to school, they don't bike to school, they don't bike around town. Um, there's a, a statistic in there. I, I, it, it would take. I think if you left your five-year-old in front of a, a Walmart, it would statistically speaking, it would take almost uh, five hundred thousand years for someone to, uh, to to kidnap them. You know, it, statistically speaking, okay. yeah, these yeah, things yeah. don't happen that we're so worried about. Uh, but what does happen is is our kids uh, have no independence. They don't know how to navigate a world on their own. They don't know how to problem solve for themselves. Uh, and, and and you know, the the biggest problem with our paradigm, our youth development paradigm. Is we don't see ourselves as creating uh, future adults who will and, be happy, flourishing adults. And you talk about in the book about how would today's kid stand up to the kids of the 20s and 30s, or sure. even from the Civil War, the War era, and that. I, I've seen on Facebook now. I, I they could uh, don't believe everything that you see on the internet of second and third grade aptitude tests from the 1920s and 30s and 40s. And and well, okay, these seem like some pretty difficult questions. Our kids are are getting better aptitude test scores because the questions aren't as difficult as they were. It's called the dumbing down of America. Sure. And that seems to be a problem as well. That's it's something I take on. So yeah, in, in one chapter, I I, I look at Wally, the Wally dystopia. It, it, if people might be familiar with, oh, I know I know exactly where where you're going with this. But yes, continue. sure, yeah, and and, and so. <laughs> And, and there's also the there's a movie called Idiocracy, which you know is based on a premise premise that basically the most average guy in the world, uh, he's frozen for 500 years and he wakes up and he becomes the smartest guy in the world. And and so what these movies show is 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 a trend that we all kind of feel, which is the devolution of human society. Yeah, and. Uh, we, I believe, schools in particular have a fundamental role in this. Uh, we have tremendous pressure, I think, pulling us towards the devolution of human society, uh, and and that's also stoking mass uh, mental health disorder. Uh, and we, we've been seeing it in our kids and and adults far before COVID uh, made it much worse. And. Schools have a fundamental part to play in this because I don't know what other institution is there to stand for human thriving, is there to stand, put human flourishing at the center. That should be the center, the goal of schooling. And uh, unfortunately, our schools are often a uh, tend to be a byproduct of our culture rather than a cultural regulator or, or, or someone standing strong against uh, some of these trends. So, uh, so you know, we are in in an age where where image is everything, and uh, and so so those pressures I think are, have pulled uh, national pol uh, educational policy, state political uh, educational policy, and local to some degree. I don't know what where the United States ranks in terms of international, uh, on the educational level. But what is it that Korea and Finland is doing where they are the number one and number two educational systems in the world that America is not doing? And we hosted probably seven, eight years ago, a an exchange student from Finland. Mm -hmm. She arrived as a junior in high school and spoke five languages. Mm -hmm. And she talked about her school day. And she goes, oh, yeah, we, uh, we, go, we go from class to class, just like you do here in, in America. But our break time in between classes, 15 minutes. We don't have to rush. What, mm -hmm. what is it, like five minutes? Oh, uh, yeah, it's five minutes. Yeah. And so everybody meets in the general area, and there's dance music playing in between. And so it, it's, it's like, okay, we're getting out here, and we get to, to bop around and, and meet our friends and maybe even do a little dancing in between courses, and which rejuvenates the, 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 the blood sure. system and gets that going again. And then the bell rings. Everybody has got three or four minutes to get to class. Everybody's back in a hyped-up mood. 
again, five languages where where Finnish is spoken in the house. They're learning that throughout uh, throughout the the school year, but then they introduce a new language. In I think English is first around the second grade. Sure. They'll introduce German. They'll introduce maybe in the fourth or fifth grade, and and yeah, by the time they're a junior, they're speaking fluently five different languages. Uh, certainly don't see that in America. Well, no. no. And, and so, I actually go into Finland in particular uh, at a couple points. And in chapter 12, I go, I answer that. Uh, Finland is really interesting. Uh, I've, I've written a bit about that. The, the, Finland, they have, as you say, 15-minute breaks per every hour, um, it, it, every 45 minutes in elementary. So, uh, their kids are getting 15-minute recesses 15 minutes of recess per every hour. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is what is developmentally appropriate. And this is this thing we, we, we miss all the time. We're so obsessed with standardized scores and these metrics that we forget to be experts in human development and that we have to be, uh, we, we have to honor the, the human needs as they are. You know, when we start high school at 725 in the morning, even though every study there is will show that regardless of your start times, high schoolers are going to go to bed at the same time, and they're going to be far less successful if they're waking up early. Right. It, it, that is just not that's not that's not forming an education system in in, in honor of the human needs and, and and how the human thrives. Uh, we do this over and over again. When there's no recess, when there's one recess a day for, for elementary, where there's two PEs a week, it's it, it you know to some degree it's criminal. It's just, it's that's not 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 a Natural environment at all for kids. It doesn't honor their needs. Um, the there's a Dr. Debbie Ray of TCU has a program called Link, where she uh, she's she's moved a lot of Fort Worth, Dallas uh, area schools towards four recesses a day for elementary. Um, and and you know having a four year old, I would love for Mansfield ISD to adopt that as well. Yeah. Um, it, because the the teachers will tell you that the the the, the students are far more attentive. That they that the the you know there's this paranoia that you're not going to hit these test scores, but that the test scores take care of themselves uh, when you're when you're doing things in this way. As you said, you know Finland's always at the top of the PISA scores. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes care of itself. And I've asked every school board candidate. We interview the the candidates when they when when they're running for school board and, and city council, but school board members. And I've, I've always asked them, is it time to get rid of the star test? And you know, you're an educator. Is it time to get rid of the star test? Because that yes. seems to be, okay, so there's sure. your yes, but that, that it seems to be that, that the, the entire school year curriculum is based on the star test, this one day of very intense testing, which is the the end result of where your school stands in the state. Sure. And these are metrics that are gamed. So that's the problem with the star. Well, multiple problems with the star. So I believe that you have to have you have to measure. Uh, you have to know what you're looking for, and you have to measure. The star test is is, is extremely poorly done. Um, it's way too broad. It deprofessionalizes the teachers by making them have to follow these standardized scripts versus trusting them to be the authority who should who should be able to to, to teach a content and meet the needs of their students. It deprofessionalizes the administrators who should be able to identify what is needed. It kind of it, we've tried to homogenize education as if we can just boil everything. Down and so you know one perfect curriculum so we can you know be sure that everyone's going to get the per- and what it does is it creates a, a system of illusions mm-hmm. um, you know, case in point uh, the star tests you can pass a star, a star biology test I, uh, I I don't know the exact number but it's like 18 out of 55 questions. If you get 18 out of 55 questions correct, you pass. You pass. <laughs> so we can brag about you know a 90 some percent passing rate, uh, but 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 it's an insulting passing standard. Uh, the, the dumbing down of America. It, 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 yes. It, so 
again, we're gaming our metrics. Right. It, it, it doesn't become about actual authentic education. It becomes about gaming metrics. I'll give you another example. You know, we're, we're, we're this year's a big, big push of uh, college career life ready in Mansfield ISD, mm-hmm. and we now have these checklists where we can show, we can prove that kids are college career life ready. Check, check, check these boxes. It's going to prove that kids are college career life ready. Well. Kids have never been less college career life ready. Twenty years ago, we didn't have checklists, but they were far more. You know, when when we allow test retakes, then that's not getting someone ready for life. No. So here again, it's this kind of manipulation of metric. Well, and one of the chapters of your book is called "Is College Still Worth It." So let's get into that. Is is it worth it? It's and and this is a big theme in my book. It's complicated for some people. It is. I would say for the vast, vast, vast majority of eighteen-year-old boys, uh, they're not ready. Uh, we've kind of delayed maturation. They'd be far more ready, and they'd get far more out of college if they waited. If they worked. And they experienced the world, and they, they got to a point where they could develop some interests. They knew what they'd want to study, and they could decide for themselves if they wanted to to take that plunge. So, and and they're not mature because they've gone through that those years of dependency absolutely. and entitlement. They're they're stuck on their iPhone, and and so there's the distraction. Yeah, uh, you even talk about in the book of. Uh, uh, four or five high schoolers sitting by the curb, and you were riding a bike. You could have been in a tutu, and they never would have noticed you. <laughs> sure, because when they're sitting on the curb, right, not talking to you. Know, we all have memories of ourselves, you know, waiting on a bus, and we're talking with our friends, and it, you know, it's not happening. They're 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 isolated. Social skills, yes, basic are, social skills are gone. Sure. Problem-solving skills are, are are dissolving. Well, and then you go even go back into the days when you and I were kids. You where you hop on a bike. You get, there's a pickup baseball game somewhere, and and that um, the physical activity seems to be a thing of the past. Sure. Well, that's another and goes back to Wally. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's a big place where I think our schools. And again, I'm not attacking MISD. I'm attacking schools in general. This is this is this is what we're doing in public schools today. And and I think I believe strongly that public schools have to rise to the occasion. Teenage obesity has quadrupled since 1980. That is, uh, you know, that's not me being a health freak. That's a problem. That's a sincere problem that we need to be addressing. Uh, and yet we bring so much unhealthy food into our schools on a daily basis that it, right. you know it. it it is hard for teachers. Uh, teachers will talk all the time when they're trying to be healthy. It's so hard to be healthy here because all we do is bring sweets into the school. Right. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, you know, peas twice a week, and you know, so there, um, th- you know, these are the issues that, that that we have to start to address. Shane, will you run for school board? <laughs> you know, I've, I, I've thought about it. I think someday I might. I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've thought about it many times. What sort of things should schools be telling parents? There's a lot. I, I believe firmly that our schools have to... So often our schools kind of try to play the appeasing role, mm-hmm. where we're understanding and we, try, we just kind of put out fires. And I don't think you can do that in the modern world with as many temptations as there are and as complex as things are. I think you, you have to be understanding and open-minded. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm anything but dogmatic, but I think you have to stand for specific values and have firm beliefs about what is in, uh, in, in, the, in the child's best interest and what isn't. Um, smartphones are uh, they're Pandora's box, yeah. you, you, um, and it's really hard for parents when they have an 11-year-old and all their 11-year-old's friends have a smartphone. That is horrible for the kid. There, there is no way to give your 11-year-old a smartphone and to expect that kid to develop a long-term attention span, not to have everything from postural to uh, anxiety effects from that. Uh, and yet, it is what is becoming the norm. So, I think school districts, really, they have a duty to, to understand the data, to learn the data, and to go out and advocate. I think there should be monthly parent uh, parent education where they say, you know, we are advocating, please do not give your kids smartphones until in my, you know, there's a wait till eighth initiative out there. Yeah. Uh, I would say wait till high school. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a, it's a clean, easy break that that makes sense. I do think that you'd want to give a kid a smartphone uh, 
before they, you know, it's it's kind of like you got to give them some freedom. That you you, you want to give them the learner's permit before the license. They're going to to get the smartphone at some point, so you can't shield them from everything. But this is something that will inhibit their their propensity to flourish as a human. We know it, um, and, and so that would be that would be a, a large one. Other things that when they get the smartphone, we'd have to help parents understand how they limit this now. There's apps. There's Bark. There's Screen Time. Great apps for understanding what you're, you know, how to limit specific, you know, so many of our, so many of our kids, and, and, and it's just the age they are. They're teenagers, right. and and they have a device that's showing them porn in every free second. They they have access to porn. Um, they they have four social media accounts. How could they possibly sit down and study for a test when they're getting binged? They're on all these group messages. They're getting binged by 12 group messages. They're getting dinged by by four different social media devices. It's constant. There's no ability to focus. There's no ability to put your mind somewhere and get any depth out of it. And like life is life is the good parts of life are are, are in the depth, <laughs> right? <laughs> you right. know, right. The book is called "Setting the Bar: Preparing Our Kids to Thrive in an Era of Distraction, Dependency, and Entitlement." Uh, and Shane, uh, twenty minutes just flies by, and. I've got a ton of more questions, but uh, uh, I know that you have to get back to school, and you're you're on a break right now, which I really appreciate you coming down to the studio to to uh, to do this interview. Will you come back sometime and 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 talk more about the book? I'd love to, absolutely. Thank you, Steve. I know that your book comes out November 9th, uh, November 9th on on Amazon and and all the other book platforms. Absolutely, yes, sir. Who do you want to buy this book? Um, Parents, teachers, coaches, and really, it, it, it is a book about society and the future of our culture. So, any conscientious citizen uh, who, who really cares about society in the future, um, you know, social studies teachers, I think, will really enjoy it. But, uh, but, but, yeah, parents, teachers, coaches, and, and conscientious citizens who care about the future. And to our listeners who did not pick up on the Wally reference, uh, Wally is a Pixar movie. Go look at it, watch it with your kids, learn about uh, the the evolution of of society, and it's it's really eye opening. Yeah. So, Shane, I appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Thank you so much, Steve. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will have the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, support this podcast if you haven't already. So. You never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacey Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Texas Health Tip, LaShonda Warner. Texas Health Tip, Kristen Moore. Home Improvement Feature, Terry Radzwin. Cocktail of the Week Feature, Brian Certain. Post-Production Editing, Mixing, and Mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. <laughs> <laughs>